Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 13th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. One thing that hasn't changed is the fair. That's right. Fair alert again, folks. Come see us at the SCETV in South Carolina Public Radio booth at the South Carolina State Fair on October 18th from 3.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. We'll be right in front of the Rosewood Building near the livestock. When you smell them, you're close. Come feed us your favorite fair food. Look at AT's foot and chat with us. There will be swag on hand, specific swag for our lead listeners. You have to ask. And if you're still listening, if you haven't skipped ahead like a bad, bad person, we have a new episode of South of Spooky. It's out now. The Lizard Man of Bishopville is live in our feed. Search South of Spooky wherever you listen to the lead and mash that subscribe button, y'all. We're also on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV, along with so much other great content. Check that out, too. Now, this episode features a big recap of the lieutenant governor's debate this week. And we continue infrastructure month? (laughs) Kind of like it. We have comments from U.S. Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who was in town with Congressman Jim Clyburn this week, touring infrastructure and kind of part victory lap for the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed last year. Infrastructure, power up. And in business, we got new inflation numbers, still very hot and we cut medical today to make room for that big politics section also we want to hear your stories we appreciate everyone that's been calling in we're going to try and get a couple voicemails in today's episode but that doesn't mean you can't call still we love to hear from you 803-563-7169 leave us your name where you're calling from your social security number i'm just kidding don't do that but let us know what's up in your world we love hearing from you guys it's fall y'all we can talk south of spooky this is a great space for it Uh, We would love to hear your stories. Let us know, 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low, according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending October 8th, DHEC reported 3,122 cases of COVID-19, which is down 23% week over week, and four deaths. On average, 249 South Carolinians were hospitalized with COVID-19, 37 were in intensive care, and 13 were on ventilators. Currently, 53.2% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. On Tuesday, South Carolina ETV, in partnership with the Post and Courier, held the first of three election 2022 debates, this one between the candidates for lieutenant governor, the only such debate that will occur during this cycle. Now, I've edited together some clips from the calm and civil hour-long debate that was held at ETV Studios here in Columbia, with me moderating and Post and Courier politics editor Skylar Croft also asking questions. This first edit includes some opening remarks and a response to a question about reforming abortion laws. The first voice that you'll hear is Tally Casey, who is running with former First District Congressman Joe Cunningham. And then you'll hear Republican incumbent Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett. After fighting for freedom abroad, I never thought I'd have to come home and fight for basic freedoms here. 
But Henry McMaster wants to ban all abortions without exceptions for rape, incest, or the life of the mother. Joe Cunningham and I want you to have more freedoms, not less. We want to eliminate the state income tax, give teachers the pay raise they deserve, and we will protect a woman's right to choose. You know, in 2021, we passed a bipartisan heartbeat bill. Uh, you know, we all proudly signed that bill. That bill is something I stand behind. I think that works well for the people of South Carolina. What definitely concerns me is that in 1992, Bill Clinton talked about safe, legal, and rare. And our opponents just months ago were celebrating inside of abortion clinic. If you go onto their website, they actually tell people how to go get an abortion. And even more disturbing to me is that they advocate for abortion, you know, two months past what the medical community says is pain tolerance for a baby in the womb. I think that's a little bit radical. I think it's very important that we protect women's right to choose in South Carolina. And we should be leading on this issue. South Carolina is looking to uh, establish one of the most restrictive bans in the country. If it were up to me, I would go back to the precedent set by Roe v. Wade, which was the law of the land for the past 50 years. Our daughters should not have less rights than their mothers and grandmothers. I think that what is happening is the other side here is just engaging in fear mongering. We are not seeking to uh, permit partial birth abortions or abortion on demand. We're just seeking basic freedoms for women to have the ability to make healthcare decisions uh, within their own control or with consultation with their doctor. We're not, we don't think it's the government's job or the government's business to tell women what to do with their bodies or to tell doctors how to treat their patients. And from the very first day I found out I was pregnant, it was my job to keep my children from feeling pain. And so I think we have to really focus on one thing that our opponents are talking about. The medical community says that a child in the womb feels pain at 15 weeks. They're advocating, as she just said, for Roe Wade, which puts abortion at 20 weeks. That's five weeks that a child can feel pain, that they're advocating for that. That's horrific to me. That's horrific to the people of South Carolina. We also heard from the candidates on how to retain and recruit teachers in the state to places where they are needed the most. Also, we asked about their thoughts on critical race theory and how, as a result of the debate this year, it may have a chilling effect on teaching the important history of our country. Here's Tally Casey. I think it's unfair to say that the governor doesn't care about teachers. Uh, I've heard the ads from Joe Cunningham and and Tally Casey talking about how in the next eight years, should they ever get this seat, that they would want to raise teacher pay by $10,000. Well, Governor McMaster in six years raised teacher pay by $10,000. And what he's trying to do is bring transparency to how schools are funded. And the last bill that was passed definitely puts money into the classroom and to the teachers and not in middle, ma middle management and the bureaucracy that revolves around our school districts. We wanna make sure that our public schools are fully funded for the first time. They haven't been fully funded since the 2007-2008 school year. Since my first child was born, he's now in high school, we haven't had public schools that are fully funded. 
Joe Cunningham will be an education governor for once. We have been endorsed by the South Carolina Education Association and SC for Ed, and we are ready to help teachers on day one. Critical race theory is a concept not taught in K through 12 schools in South Carolina, but lawmakers have spent hours debating this and, and finally um, put a stop to it uh, coming through a budget proviso. Do you fear that this kind of action will have a, a chilling effect on how history is taught in South Carolina? Skyler, the uh, discussion about critical race theory um, is, it confuses me because critical race theory is actually a legal concept. That's, that's a class in law school. Um, and so, no, I don't think it's, it's appropriate to have critical race theory taught to, to K through 12 students. Uh, but I think it's really even talking about it at this point is, is fear mongering. It's not something that's happening in our schools. I don't think it's something we need to worry about, but we do want, think it's important to focus on the curriculum that's taught in schools. There's a place for curriculum and not for activism. So critical race theory is something that has brought a lot of letters and phone calls into our office. Teachers have talked about the fact that they're uncomfortable with some of the curriculum that's being taught and parents have brought it to our attention. So to say that it's not happening in our schools, uh, I don't think it's a fair assumption because it's coming to us actually from the ground. I don't think anything should be taught in a school that alters history. I think what we talk about is that you know, if history isn't taught properly, history tends to repeat itself, right? We've heard that over and over again. And I think it's really unfair to make anybody, anybody feel bad about parts of them, their heritage or their culture that they were born into and cannot walk away from. Of course, what debate isn't complete without talking about marijuana? I asked the candidates where they stood on decriminalizing medical marijuana legislation like Senator Tom Davis's bill and full legalization. Tally Casey starts off, followed by Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett. Joe and I believe that marijuana should be legalized, both medical and recreational. Um, and this is not a controversial issue. More than half of South Carolinians believe that marijuana should be legalized recreationally. And over 90% of South Carolinians believe, believe that medical marijuana should be legalized. That bill that you were talking about would have been passed if it weren't for the governor's interference. There's 39 other states who have already done this, and they are reaping the benefits from revenue. They've eliminated the tax waste and the waste of police resources in going after uh, people for possession. And in addition, we want to expunge the records of those who have convicted of simple possession so that those individuals can uh, reunite their familial, familial ties so that they can get a job, so that they can get a school loan, and so that they, they can have a second chance at Thank life. You so the governor um, was very clear. You know, he would be willing to sit down and look into medical uh, uses for marijuana. He also said he would like to sit down with law enforcement as law enforcement would bear the biggest brunt of making sure that these, this new law would be enforced properly. When it comes to recreational, you know, it has never yielded and in talking to lieutenant governors in states that have legalized recreational marijuana, it has never yielded the revenues that it has said it would. And the collateral effects of what has happened through recreational marijuana, we're seeing every day. And we also asked what could be done to help those who are struggling with high prices as a result of continued high inflation. This touched on minimum wage as well. Here's Tally. Inflation is a serious issue, and it's something that all of us are thinking about. And there are things that the state can do 
to help its citizens. If you consider some of the three, uh, the CPI is calculated using housing, medical care, and, uh, education, um, and education as some of the biggest factors in calculating it. And we can do things to reduce those here in South Carolina. And our platform includes reductions in those. Um, for housing, for affordable housing, South Carolina has the highest eviction rate, one of the highest eviction rates in the country. And Henry McMaster refused to accept, spend the housing assistance, the $271 million of housing assistance that we received during the pandemic quickly enough so that we missed out on additional federal funds for people who are facing eviction. In addition, he put more restrictions on housing assistance, the South Carolina Low Income Tax Credit, so that less people can take advantage of that. Joe and I also wanna raise the minimum wage in South Carolina. South Carolina has no minimum wage, and $7.25 just isn't enough. It's just not a living wage, especially in these inflationary times. Joe and I want to raise it to $12. We want to put more money in your pocket. So, you know, we really don't need a state minimum wage when you have a thriving economy. I don't know anybody in the state of South Carolina that can attract an employee at $7.25 an hour. It's a very out of touch statement. You know, I travel the state in an, in, every week. And I sit down with businesses and we talk about good paying jobs. Literally in Charleston, we have the boating manufacturers. They are paying $28 an hour and they could hire 250 people today. All they ask is that you could read a tape measure and use a drill. That is a great paying job, yielding benefits and time off and everything else we need. That is the same story that's happening all around the state. So again, not many fireworks in that debate, but always glad to have a good civil conversation about issues. Remember, the lieutenant governor really doesn't do much in the state. They started running together with a gubernatorial candidate in 2018 on the same ticket and no longer serve as the president of the Senate. Their job is pretty much being somewhere that the governor can't be, and of course, standing in should anything ever happen to the top dog. SCETV, South Carolina Public Radio, and the Post and Courier will bring you the only gubernatorial debate this year, live in studio on October 26 at 7 p.m. Okay, folks, you know we love talking about infrastructure here on the podcast. And one week, heck, two weeks wasn't enough. Now we are going month-wide here. And we continue this look by taking you to the low country, where U.S. Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg was visiting local infrastructure with Congressman Jim Clyburn on Wednesday. Buttigieg has been touring cities across the country that are benefiting from the bipartisan infrastructure law that was signed by President Joe Biden last November. The bill sends about $1 billion a year to the state for roads, as well as $100 million for broadband, among other things. Here's Secretary Mayor Pete. Earlier today, we were seeing the ports and the record amounts of goods that are moving through those ports, as well as a vision for the future. And soon we'll be at the airport, where we are able to help with funding to modernize the terminal and the taxiway there. We've discussed the low line project, helping to convert old rail line into usable park and pathway, reconnecting neighborhoods that were divided by I-26, and helping to reduce the flooding that threatens communities. And so this summer, we were proud to award dollars that are gonna help with planning for that project. And we had a focus on the low country rapid transit vision, a new way of getting between Charleston, North Charleston, and Somerville 
where buses have dedicated lanes for much of the route and transit signal priority technology so that riders can move quickly and reliably. With clean, primarily electric buses that will be available every, up to every 10 minutes most of the day. The type of the project uh, that, that we're seeing is a, a driver of benefits to so many people. It brings benefits in terms of equity, connecting people in communities of color and low-income neighborhoods historically excluded from the best transportation opportunity, now included with access to jobs and opportunities across the region. It means more reliable and faster travel times for bus riders, which are so important whether you're trying to get to work or trying to get to loved ones, and only growing, going to matter more as this fast-growing region continues its growth. It's going to reduce congestion on the roadways. It's going to be good for businesses that can engage new workers and find new customers. And it's going to improve quality of life at a scale that we can only achieve when we work together. In August, the USDOT approved the Low Country Rapid Transit for its Capital Grants Program. That is the final phase before fully funding up to $375 million for the rapid bus system. That's one project to deal with congestion in the Charleston area, since just adding more lanes really can't fix the problem. One is improvements on the roads themselves. And that's an area where we're always standing ready to work directly, and we also uh, provide those formula dollars that, uh, that the state uh, DOT can, can put to work on improvements that are needed. But the second thing, and I, I was uh, impressed to hear the alignment around this insight, is that there are some places where you need to expand or improve a roadway for congestion. There are other places where you can't pave your way out of the problem, where if you uh, just add more lanes, you're just going to get more traffic. And that's where you have to be more creative, especially in a high growth area like this, about solutions. It's part of why transit matters so much. It can move more people on the same road with less congestion. Uh, and that's a win for the people who are going to use these great buses. Uh, and it's a win even for the people who don't, because there's more room for you uh, from the people who are. Uh, and so it's that integrated vision, thinking about transit uh, and different modes of transportation and making it easier for, for uh, the existing modes, uh, like those who are driving their cars every day, uh, that have to fit together to make sure that we can truly get everybody where they need to be affordably and conveniently. Senator Lindsey Graham was the only Republican in the South Carolina congressional delegation to join Democratic Majority Whip Jim Clyburn in voting for the bipartisan infrastructure law last year. Secretary Buttigieg says infrastructure isn't political to him, though some may take credit for projects that they didn't support. It's definitely not been unusual for somebody who uh, went onto the floor of the House or Senate and voted against these funds uh, to then turn around and uh, uh, write a letter or, or make a case or, uh, or go on television uh, about uh, how those funds could be used to, to help a, a district. And while uh, there's certainly a lot of irony in that, I, I want to make sure you know that uh, we're not going to be political uh, about how these funds are used. We're not going to punish uh, constituents. Uh, because their leaders voted against this funding, we're going to make sure the funding goes where it's needed most. Uh, because the reality is, despite uh, the way things sometimes play out on Capitol Hill, uh, you know, there, there's nothing Republican or Democrat about the port or the airport uh, or about the roads or the bridges. Uh, and indeed, I'm especially encouraged when I see people working across party lines to get stuff done. And stay tuned for Tuesday's podcast. That's right, we got a tease coming up. I spoke with AP reporter Jeffrey Collins, who catches us up on the status of abortion legislation and debate in the state, as well as the case that goes before the state Supreme Court on Wednesday.
Inflation remains hot, hot, hot. That's right, the number one it girl in the country, inflation. That's right, the Consumer Price Index increased 8.2% in September from September 2021, this according to the Labor Department. Now, it did tick down 0.1% from August, and it's also a 0.9% drop from the 40-year high in June, which was 9.1%. Now, when you look at core inflation, which strips out food and energy costs, inflation rose by 0.6% in September, the same as in August, to 6.6% compared to this time last year. So that's core inflation we're talking about there, a number that a lot of economists, a lot of market people watch. Now, while CPI dropped thanks in part to a pullback in gasoline prices, it was also offset by higher food costs. Those are those two volatile factors that we're talking about. So despite slowing job numbers we saw the other week, this figure will most definitely keep the Federal Reserve on track to once again increase interest rates by 0.75% at its meeting next month. This will put the benchmark interest rate around 4 to 4.5% by the end of the year. Data. The data also has economists expecting that this will delay any slowdown in the pace of rate increases. Data. Moving on, Senator Lindsey Graham was in Charleston this week and weighed in on the economy, gas prices, and inflation before those latest numbers were released. Take a listen. Well, you know, we're coming out of COVID. We had our economy shut down and we're building back, you know, the economy. It's hard to find workers. Part of the problem with South Carolina's economy is the lack of a workforce. We just got to get more people back into the workforce. But uh, inflation uh, around gas prices is going to go up uh, as Saudi Arabia and OPEC nations restrict their uh, oil production. It affects us here at home. And everybody's mad at OPEC. I get it to a point. But they're doing what's best for them. The question for America, are we doing what's best for America? We have enough oil and gas here to make up that 2 million barrels a day reduction by OPEC. We just need to go find it and and seize it in an environmentally sound way. So the bottom line is our energy policy is nuts. Depending on Venezuela for more oil production, being mad at OPEC is not the answer. The answer is to find oil and gas we own in America, take it out of ground in an environmentally sensitive way, move toward a lower carbon economy without destroying the economy. So there is no substitute for common sense. And to me, common sense dictates that we break our dependency on OPEC fuel. We break our dependency on uh, Iran and Venezuela. This is insane to reduce American production and ask people overseas who don't really like us to produce more oil and gas because we're too stupid to do it here at home. Now, this high inflation means that Social Security recipients will get an 8.7% boost in their benefits next year. The cost of living adjustment, like inflation, is now the highest it's been in 40 years, and the average recipient will receive an extra $140 a month starting in January per the Social Security Administration. And gas prices? Well, they're arising in the state. The average gallon of gas is $3.39 a gallon. That's up $0.09 from both a week ago and a month ago. It's also up $0.36 from this time last year. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how spook season is treating you. If you're it's fall, south y'all. Of spooky, it's fall, y'all. Okay. Hashtag fall into fall, y'all. Huh? 
Fall forward. Have you been making any uh, leaf piles? We haven't because there are no leaves on the ground Fall here. forward into the hopper, it's please. It's a whole okay? pile of magnolia leaves. The crunch. Oh, God. The crunch is where the it's at. The worst leaves. <laughs> the trash tree of the south, folks. Uh, the magnolia tree. God, it is oh, beautiful. Oh, but the blue. <laughs> it is beautiful. Sure. It is, but it is clean up as it. dirty as it is beautiful. It, they don't. They don't break down. They don't care. They don't call the hopper. No. They don't call. They don't come to the fair and look they at my just foot. put trash everywhere. They oh, don't the do fair. It. Oh, the fair next week. Oh, the foot exhibition they that's going to be there. They say, Gavin, they say, aren't you worried that the, the Senate's going to be in on that Tuesday and they get the fair? And I say, no. I say, whatever happens, I'm going to be at that fair regardless of what happens. I, Anywhere else. I heard that they're going to call a special session to make it a national holiday. Correct. Yes. Uh, they have unila- they have unilateral ability to create national holidays in South Carolina just for this, and it's going to be all about my foot. It's it's a nice thing they're doing. It's nice that they're doing it for us. Anyway, Gavin, it's, that is nice. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Gavin, sounds like lead law. You know, in there to state oh, law. Oh yes, I know. Yeah, it's a very fine line. Anyway, Gavin, you know what else is nice? We got some calls. We're doing oh, a double dip today. Yeah. Because it's it's like a trick-or-treat. If you say trick-or-treat, I'm going to leave a space right here. You go ahead, say trick-or-treat. Beetlejuice. Okay, I'm assuming you said it. That means you get two dips, okay? <laughs> Gavin, are you ready? Did you not hear me if I said it? I, well, let me I'll leave another space here in case no one said it before. Okay, and I'm sure they said it there. And um, so now we're going to get into this first one. Old school best friend caller here. Mr. Three-Minute Man, Mr. Three-Minute Grand Strand Man, uh, he's a, a world traveler, calls in wherever he goes. Let's see if he can hit this three-minute mark. Are you Ooh, ready, Gavin? yeah. Okay, here we Start go. Start the clock. All right, here we go. Hey, guys, I've got another 180 with Teacher Roman for you, this time in response to the heroine of South Carolina schools, the wonderful Miss Molly Spearman. I'm trying to squeeze this in before I have to take a quiche out of the oven, so here it goes. Three things Spearman mentioned I want to touch on, addressing the COVID gap, teacher pay, and new buildings. But first, Spearman is a true teacher. Admitting that we should have kept schools open, I really appreciate her leadership in saying that. Mrs. Spearman has done such a good job being a calm, adult voice during this crisis, and I'm so thankful, Gavin, that you've given her words so much airtime over the last two years. Spearman has been a tireless advocate for South Carolina's children, including mine. I imagine her parting thesis will be a significant aspect of her legacy as superintendent, And that thesis is that although the achievement gap for C students has increased during the pandemic, ultimately new investments in teacher pay and buildings will accelerate these students forward so they can graduate on time. Let us hope so. There's a lot riding on the future of South Carolina's children. We're going to need them to grow up to be good citizens and taxpayers so we can keep this good thing going. We should all be happy with the 30% increase to starting teacher pay from 29,500 to 40,000, but I'd like to add some perspective about that positive news. I made $40,000 my first year as a teacher in 2004 when I worked at public charter school in Washington, D.C. At the time, that was just about as good as you could hope for nationwide if you were just starting out your career in public schools. South Carolina has risen the teacher pay bar to meet the high watermark of starting teacher pay from 20 years ago. In other words, there's still room for improvement. I understand the cost of living changes depending on where you live. So I'll tell you, in 2004, 40 grand was barely enough to get by living in Northern Virginia and commuting to Anacostia. Fast forward to 2013 when I was working at Clemson making $50,000 a year, living in Seneca with a wife and one small child. That was doable. 
starting pay for teachers in South Carolina should be $50,000 a year, period. I don't think that is an unreasonable standard considering how crucial schools are to the economy and the success of the state. New buildings for rural schools will also help. After all, architecture is the most noble of arts as that discipline creates spaces for human activity to flourish. It will be interesting to see what structural changes will be made to these new schools. Will they be refreshed versions of old schools? Or will the designers have the freedom to expand the concept of what makes a space a school? The space in which we learn is as important as the teacher delivering the instruction. Might I suggest that some of these new schools consider a design that veers away from the long corridors of a factory and instead experiments with the idea of a school as a circle surrounding a quad or a courtyard? Everyone gets a window. Ms. Spearman, if you're listening, thank you for your service. I hope your friend Kathy Maynus is the one to succeed you in November. All right, folks. That's my quiche. Teacher Roman, a quiche. Oh, oh, sounds so good. I bet you he timed that quiche just as perfectly as he timed that voicemail, AT. I think he made the quiche just for the voicemail. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all about the voicemail. He, I mean, this man, he's a man of many talents, right? He, he's a world traveler. He's a teacher. He's a, a podcast listener. He's a gourmand, Gavin. Mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming the quiche is in the mail. Yes. Uh, I'm, I think it is meant for us. It'll be here eventually. Who knows? Oh. He runs He runs a ghost kitchen and a gold belly. <laughs> you know, it's... Actually, I think we got it. It's just a little too dry. And I love the hot take. I love Roman calling in for hot take. I mean, he takes... We ask for hot takes. He giveth hot takes. He giveth, so, yes. Roman, thank you so much. I love you, bud. Uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, and I just want to let him know that Kathy Manis lost in the primary to Ellen Weaver, so mm. you will not be getting your wish there, Teacher Roman. It's Ellen Weaver, the Republican, versus Lisa Ellis, the Democrat. We'll have that debate, too, November 2nd. Oh, what a pro, this guy. Casual teasing. promo. Great tease. Also wearing sunglasses in the studio Yeah, now. he's Gavin, right now, I'll describe it to the listeners. Feet up on the desk. Paint that. He's that leaning back, risky business glasses on. Um, and he's sort he's covered in squalor. He has uh, uh, a candy wrappers fun all size candy over wrappers. him right if now. If you sensed energy in this podcast, it, it is purely butterfinger it's, powered. It's pure refined sugar. Yes, yes. It's, he he did a mukbang just for me. <laughs> um, anyway, Gavin, are you ready for the second dip? Yes. Okay. All right. It's a newer listener, not someone as seasoned as Roman, but Ooh, someone okay. as important. That's okay. Exciting. You ready? Yes. Here we go. Hey, Gavin and AT, this is Karen calling from Hartsville. I've been listening to your show for about six months now. Um, I really enjoyed getting to hear the news and the up-to-date information on um, the politics that are going on around the state. This is our first fall in the Carolinas after living out of state for five years. This is our uh, first experience for our boys to have fall in the Carolinas, so we are super excited to take them to the fair this upcoming weekend and let them experience some of our favorite fair snacks like the footlong corn dog, nachos from San Jose's, cookies from the Cookie Kitchen, and our absolute favorite, the cinnamon and sugar elephant ear. My birthday is on Halloween, so I really enjoyed the South of Spooky episode and really look forward to getting to hear more cool and creepy stories from around the state to get us ready for the Halloween season. So uh, thanks for all you do and keep up the good work. Karen, thank you for that voicemail. Love hearing from you. Love hearing from folks in the PD, too. I love Hartsville. Great little Darlington town. Uh, I think I would love to do, whenever we do our next live podcast taping in the PD, mm. definitely got to do it in Hartsville because if you haven't been, it's just a quaint, quaint little city town. Um, 
And, you know, also great recommendations there for the fair, which will be at AT <laughs> on like- October 18th from 3.30 oh, yes. to 6 p.m. Absolutely correct. My favorite part, Karen, again, thank you for calling, Karen. My favorite part is in Google Voice, it gives me a... Um, transcript. A transcript. Yes, exactly. And it says... Uh, our favorite fair snacks, like footlong corn dog nachos. <laughs> oh, that sounds good, though, doesn't it? That's what they should be doing. So this is the first time I listened to it instead of reading it, and I was very excited for you to say something like footlong corn dog nachos. Because how, I mean... <laughs> That's the frankenfood that you are talking about, that, that This is, is how they come up with that it. That is a frankenfood, yes. Um, I'm glad your boys are going to be able to experience it. I mean, fall in South Carolina is like midsummer in, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the Midwest. You know what I mean? So uh, th- we we deserve this. We earn this, right? Yes. We, by moving here, this is, this is what we get. No cold. All this nice, nice warm. Yeah, well, it's still gonna get cold, like in January. And kind December. of, kind oh, of. It still is cold, at. <laughs> I know we don't think about it, but it creeps up, and everyone's like, and then I think, <laughs> then I think of all the people like, oh, I love fall. I'm like, well, this is the this comes after fall. This is your fault. <laughs> this is the cold you brought us. <laughs> the hell you have wrought, <laughs> and that's dark. Oh, God, the daylight savings time is terrible. Oh, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, but it's nice. I'm out I'm out of the house. This is the first time back in the studio since uh, my Achilles rupture. Uh, I, and if anyone's wondering, it, it still looks disgusting. Mm-hmm. So next week, it, I'll, I'll hopefully still have a purple foot to, uh, to parade around at the and, fair. Yeah, have people uh, look at. Maybe oh, they can yeah, poke yeah, it yeah. You could take pictures with, with it. Leftover corn dog stick. Anyway. Have a good weekend, everybody. Is today it? Is today Friday? It feels like Friday. It's actually Thursday. It's Thursday. We're taping it on Thursday because I'm going up to Richmond this weekend. Richmond, Virginia, folks. That's the Commonwealth. Brag. Yes. Um, also going to be down in Charleston really quickly on Friday. But I want everyone TV. to have a great weekend. Yes, we do. Have good time at the fair. Send us pictures. Oh, Text yeah. us pictures of the food that you eat. Um, and I do get, Karen, I get that you like elephant ears, but I guarantee if you ever had a Zeppeli or a funnel cake, you'd like that better because it is just a better fried dough. There. It's just not as good. The funnel cakes are not the same down here. Oh, God. Because they put all their energy in the elephant yeah, ears. We, yeah, we, yeah, all the energy. It's the same batter. It's the same <laughs> grease. They're probably in the same state. They probably come down from Jersey to do this. It's just not the same. Okay, folks. Well, you see... Give us something to talk about. Give us a shout. Be like Karen and, and Teacher Roman and give us a shout at 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. Come see us at the fair October 18th at 330. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Also, while you're on Apple Podcasts, which I'm told is the correct version of iTunes, you can subscribe to South of Spooky. we got a couple more episodes coming out, so stay tuned. And don't forget to check out the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And, of course, support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I, I, I could eat candy all day long and eat pizza with it, too. I could. Are you still not ready? I'm going to get more candy. I deserve this.